everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode. And today, zooming in all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, we got Mr. Ray Woods. Ray is a real estate entrepreneur who got his feet wet doing wholesale deals. He's also done short-term rentals. And more recently, he's getting into the multifamily space and raising capital left, right, and center, doing all sorts of great stuff. So, Ray, welcome to the call. Great to have you here. Dave, I appreciate it. Good to see you. Good to speak with you. Yeah, no, this is great. So, Ray, just for folks who who aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about your real estate backstory? Because we were talking a little bit off camera, and you were telling me that uh, you know you got off to to a good start, like like a lot of us, where you're really studying and learning all you could, and then something got in the way, and you pressed pause. I think you said for like three or four years. So so walk us through. All of that, if you don't mind. Yeah, it was an unfortunate series of events that happened. So 2015, <laughs> 2016. Hey, man, I can relate. We've all had unfortunate series of events. So that's for sure. Right, exactly. So 2015, 2016 was when I originally started studying real estate. I stayed in Alabama at the time. I had just graduated from Ole Miss, mechanical engineering degree, and came out to Alabama, started learning real estate. I actually got into the fortune builders course. I paid yeah. like $500 for that for a wholesale course. And I started just reading, going through the modules, trying to understand and well, see what let, I let me, do. let me ask you a quick question. Sorry to jump mm -hmm. in here, but I'm just always curious. Okay. So you're an engineer by trade. Yep. That is a lot of schooling. That tells me you're one hell of a smart guy. A and lot of schooling is pointless to an extent. Yes. <laughs> 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 you're you're a, you're a smart guy and you've graduated by that point so you got a pretty good career path ahead of you what yep. made you what what sparked the interest in real estate and made you decide to focus on that well you know it was 2015 i was working at a automotive engineering company and i wanted to actually go get my masters in sports engineering i was very active in sports I fought MMA for a couple of years. I trained jujitsu. So I was so active. And when I got into engineering field, I said, I want to kind of stay in the sports realm. Let me go to get a master's. And it was a random lady in the scrap dock at the manufacturing facility who referred me over to a guy. His name was Moses. And he worked at Denver, Colorado, one of the universities there. He was one of the top deans there. And I was talking to him about that. And we jumped on the phone one night for about three or four hours. Never met the guy, never seen him. I looked him up as far as like what he does at the school. Randomly, he was a millionaire. You know, he got his money just by investing properly. He's a, a boomer. So he kind of went with the market, kind of on the mm -hmm. uptrend of, of the economy. And what ended up happening, he told me, you need to focus on being an entrepreneur. You need to learn how to do digital marketing. You need to read this book. You need to study this guy. And I'm just taking, even to this day, I still got all the notes I took from him. All the individuals he told me to read and study. And my mom and my wife were sitting there like, are you going to come in and eat? Because it was, uh, thanks <laughs> I think it was Thanksgiving. No, it was uh, one wow. of the holidays. We was just eating and I'm, they're cooking. The food's ready. It's getting cold. I'm on the phone for like three or four hours just walking yeah. outside. And 
when he told me that, he was like, don't call me back until you do so. <laughs> I said, okay, you know, my competitive mind, I said, okay, fine. Yeah. And I started on a path of just reading and studying. And Do you remember like which books he recommended to you? Do you remember what the book was? The You know, he, he told me to read about Lonnie Johnson. It was a lot of uh, African-American successful business owners that was there. And then people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and those okay. individuals as well. Yeah. The first book that I actually picked up and started was the book that everybody did was Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, and okay. that kind of opened my mind to things. And then I started reading about digital marketing. I started reading about entrepreneurship through Tony Robbins. And it, it was a lot of information that was soaking in. And that mm -hmm. ultimately led me from Rich Dad Poor Dad to wanting to learn about real estate Got and it. getting some cash flow on properties there. All right. So that's, that's what sparked that interest. Right. So you studied, 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 and then you told me you promptly ran out and did nothing. <laughs> Basically. What so what 2000, 2016, I had moved to Atlanta. Me and my wife moved from Florence, Alabama to Atlanta. And it was just a lot going on in Atlanta before all the traffic got more chaotic than it mm -hmm. is now. And, you know, we moved out here to Atlanta. I started getting around specific groups I basically went into debt to join a group. <laughs> I pulled a credit uh, card. Like a, a real estate investing group? Is that what you're Yeah, a real estate investing group. Because yeah. I wanted to get hands-on experience. And from my okay. personal experience, that's where I ended up getting the best experience was hands-on instead of just doing the modules and the coursework. Mm -hmm. The only reason I did that, I just left school. I was kind of used to it. I didn't like it, but I was used to it. Right. And so, you know, I went out there, started hustling, doing deals, trying to close something. And the reason I was so eager to close something was because I was unemployed. And I tell people all the time that are impatient in closing deals. I, you know, I just had a call with my team yesterday and it was a young kid. And he said, you know, I'm just feel like I'm doing something wrong. I haven't been able to close any deals. I want to close something. I said, Hey, are you able to pay your bills right now? He's like, yeah. He's like, okay, if you're able to pay your bills, then you don't have nothing to worry about and you shouldn't be stressing out nothing. Mm. Whenever I started wholesaling, I was unemployed because when I moved, I was an employee. So I was hurting. I was hurting. I needed to pay bills. I needed to get food into the house. And you were, you were credit, desperate. Yeah. My credit was shy. And yeah. if your household is not financially stable, then that is a lot of burden. I mean, the financial issues, even in my family and my background, most of people that see the divorce or split up or have some type of issues or angry in the house is because of finances. Right. And so, you know, the financial household wasn't as stable as I like it to be. And so I was desperate to try to close something. And I had like four or five deals fall through, mm -hmm. like just back to back to back. And I say, you know what? I'm quitting. I gave up. I basically said, I'm done. I can't do this. I can't pay for nothing. And I basically went to go get a J-O-B. Right. Well, hey, <laughs> and, you know, fair enough, man. That's That's a rough place to be in. And thank goodness you had the skill set that you could go get a job that didn't s u c k <laughs> right as and far you know, as the always, goes, right right and and i i give i give you know big credit to the degree you know I don't shame school there's just a whole nother story about the yeah. things with school, but I don't shame school. I still tell people, hey, you know if you have a job and you're making good money, stay working the job until you're making at least one and a half two times more part-time doing something that you like side hustle, whether it be real estate or whatever. And, you know, I still to this day work as an engineer and I do real estate on the side. So interesting. Okay. Very cool. So then 
how did you get back into it? How did how did you how did you kind of give that stinking thinking a an adjustment, as they say? So throughout those years, I tried every other thing under the sun and went into <laughs> Sh- more. Debt. You got the shiny <laughs> object syndrome thing going, right? Exactly. So I went through that phase of trying to do every. I was the seminar junkie. I was the guy that was trying every single thing, yeah. and. I was already 70 grand in student debt, 70, wow. 80 grand in student debt. And, you know, I went into more credit card debt, learning different stuff. So I tried anything from network marketing to digital marketing to drop shipping, doing stuff with Amazon affiliates, sales, everything, and yeah. ultimately led back to real estate. And I had been following one of the guys that I met in the first group. Mm-hmm. Errol Allen and he had been just killing it and he was younger he was way younger he was at the time maybe like 19 or so and I'm 24 23 at the time I believe oh no 25 at the time mm-hmm. and he was just killing it real estate he was wholesaling making money left and right then he started getting into Airbnb and 2020 or 20 late 2020 early 2021 I reached back out to him I said hey you know, things are a lot better now. The financial, the household was financially stable. I'm ready to jump back into the, into this business. Nice. Soon as I jump back in, I just start closing deals left and right. <laughs> okay. And I'm so, like, so, so off camera, you told me something kind of clicked and you're, you're, you're kicking yourself saying, why did I just do this before? So what made the difference there, Ray? The household was broken. Not as not as far as like me and my wife's relationship, but the financial household was broken. So it was the stress of that. It was the stress of the the desperation that comes yep. from needing to make that deal to keep the lights on that was preventing you from closing those deals. Is that what I mean? Right, exactly. Exactly. So imagine like trying to cross a bridge and a bridge is crumbling. Yeah. And you and you know, there it could be any second now it can just fall and you fall off into the wilderness and die. So that's kind of how my situation was where any day now it can crumble and come tumbling down. And there was times where I was like, okay, let me just go ahead, go to the military or let me move back to my neighborhood, which there was nothing there, but trees and highways and stop signs that wasn't even in the ground. Mm -hmm. So they had random dollar stores there though. (laughs) But you know, it was, it was to that point and that's why nothing closed and nothing happened because it was too much. It was too much of a burden to handle, of trying to pay for bills and trying to close real estate. Yeah, too bills. much pressure on you, and it, right. it kind of shuts you down. So, do you think? Because I'm I'm relating this to my own personal experiences in the past, especially when I was trying to raise capital and I was kind of same desperate situation. And I, looking back, I think that desperation just kind of oozed out of every pore in my body. And other people consciously or unconsciously could pick up on that. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter how good the deal was. It just kind of turned them off. Do you, do you have that sensation as well? Or or what do you think it was? Yeah. So I actually made a video about this on my YouTube channel. And I, I told, I said, one thing that you don't want to do is do business with somebody that's desperate. Yeah. Because when you do business with somebody that's desperate, there's pure emotion and mm-hmm with as as a man men are not built to operate on emotion we we're built to use logic mm-hmm. if you're using logic 
when it comes to these deals and investing your money, making sure the market is good, making sure an investment you have is good, then it's going to sound good to other investors that are also understanding how this game goes. But if you're using emotion, nobody, they like you said, people are going to pick up on it. They're going to be like, eh, you know, something seems a little off. They're going to, they're going to figure it out, especially if they yeah. season into the business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, Ray. So that wasn't that long ago. That was just like two years ago that you kind of jumped back in with both feet. Yep. What has life looked like for you since then? What what kind of deal flow have you been doing as far as wholesaling? What kind of other stuff have you been doing? Walk us through what, what things look like now. Yeah, so 2020, 2021, when I came back into the business, uh, like I said, we closed, I closed like four deals back to back. It was well over 50 grand through wholesale uh, assignment fees. So yeah. once I did that, I took the money, reinvested to the business, got a VA, started kind of outsourcing a lot of stuff while I was at work because I was still yeah. working as an engineer. And while I was at work making money there, I was letting the VA and my team do a lot of stuff to kind of automate it there. Ended up saying, you know what, it's time to get away from just doing wholesale and active income. Let me try to find something that's going to cash flow. So eventually I got with my partner, Arrow, who has now over 20 Airbnbs, and I started acquiring Airbnb. I have an Airbnb here in Atlanta that does pretty well, especially around these months now. And so we got into short-term rental and then eventually kind of skipped over to multifamily. And the reason I even wanted to do that was because I watched a lot of Grant Cardone, and I actually mm -hmm. got to meet him and a couple of other people, and Robert as well. I got to meet Robert Kiyosaki. But I went over to multifamily because you can scale easier instead of buying a property here, here and there. You can buy just the one parcel with 100 units, 200 units. Right. And so I took the money that I used from the wholesale fees and put that into the business to be able to get Airbnb to pull me into multifamily to do those different things. OK, well, connect the dots for me there, because there's a huge, huge leap and a disconnect mm -hmm. from a wholesaling to be short-term rentals, to see 100-unit-plus multifamily properties. So so walk me through how, how you managed to connect all of those dots and make it work. So multifamily was in the back of my mind since college yeah. because I saw people who actually owned property at Ole Miss. A lot of the guys, like the alumni, actually owned property there, and they had student housing. And I said, you know, they, they wasn't really too fond on explaining how to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> they kind of wanted to keep it to themselves. Yeah. But um, it was all good. And, and I ended up kind of keeping that in the back of my mind. And so wholesaling was to get some type of extra capital to me to alleviate so much active income. And I still wholesale to this day. And we still mm -hmm. find properties to renovate and fix and flip uh, with my team. So outside of that, it ended up turning into Airbnb to cash flow. And then during that time of doing that, I'm still studying multifamily. Got it. I watched probably every single video Grant had on YouTube when he was doing the Monday through Friday shows. And I've read a lot of his books. I've read some of the bigger pocket books and learned about multifamily. And then I ultimately found a multifamily group to learn hands on mm. through the lady to help me with my business credit. And so when I found them, then it was hitting the road and going because now I have a network of people I can work with. I have other individuals that can help me. We have access to individuals who have tons of experience. 
and I just went out there, started finding deals, and it's somewhat similar to wholesaling, somewhat Right. similar, Well, the, the finding very different, deal but side of you got some great right. experience with that. So you started applying that. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So when it comes to finding the multifamily properties, are you beating the bushes yourself? Are you going through brokers? Are you doing a bit of everything or off market So I would deals say, or what are yeah, I would say a bit of everything. I don't typically come across too many off-market deals, more so than I do working with brokers. So I'm I'm a different engineer with my counselor would like to say at college is I'm not the uh, monotone engineer. I'm the extroverted engineer. So, Yeah, that's you're kind of an unco uncommon <laughs> type of engineer. That's for sure. right. Yeah. And so the, I, I went out to LinkedIn and I just started shooting messages to people. Like message them, hey, you know, me and my team looking for this property. Here's my criteria. You know, I would love to sit down and meet with you, you know, grab some coffee or something so we can talk, see how we can help each other out. So And you I just picked kept. a specific market first and then started reaching out Yeah, that I stayed way. I stayed in my backyard and I learned that from learning through wholesaling. You know, Right. I wouldn't start wholesaling and I'm in Georgia in California. Okay. So you're really looking at, at properties in and around Atlanta. So then Right, you're reaching exactly. out on LinkedIn to commercial brokers in and around the area. Is that what I'm understanding? Yep, exactly, exactly. That's Got how it. I started. Uh, now, eventually, you know, when you get an understanding of things, you can expand and go elsewhere. But Atlanta was the primary focus. So I reached out to those brokers, finally met a lady, How, Miss Gail. how She's how did awesome. you, if So, you don't mind me asking, Ray, how did you get them to take you seriously without any track record in multifamily at that time? I would say education. So I have So, a, I guess that's one of my superpowers is because I actually... studied a lot of the material, I can have a decent conversation with somebody. you can have an intelligent conversation about Exactly. it. You sound like you know what you're talking about and you do know what you're talking about. You just hadn't done it yet. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm transparent with that with them, too. I say, hey, you know, I'm just getting into the business, but I've actually come from the residential side Okay. and now we, I'm wanting to come over to multifamily. I tell them right up front, I say, hey, I'm the guy, I'm the boots on the ground. I'm the underwriter because I do underwriting because of my engineering mind. Right. And I do the numbers. I do the stuff that nobody likes. So I kind of throw a little joke in there to break the barrier down Yeah. and Yeah. end up, you know, talking with them that way and letting them know up front, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm starting. Just looking for something, 50 units, 100 units. Can we do anything? Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Cause you're bringing some credibility to the table there with your, your residential experience. Plus you get to sprinkle in there the fact that you're an engineer. That's not, not everybody could say that that's for sure. So bang right there, you're kind of bringing yourself up in their eyes and you, You've studied, you've done your homework so you can speak intelligently about about the whole topic. So Right, right. smart. I love that. All right. So how did the first multifamily deal go down, if you don't mind sharing? So with what I can say, <laughs> Yeah. because of it, the whole thing that got this deal done was who you know. And my first wholesale deal, and I was telling my wife about this, I said, my first wholesale deal is exactly like our first multifamily deal. And what's crazy, the multifamily deal was actually done in Arizona. It wasn't even in Atlanta. All And right. I've sent LOIs and underwrote tens and twenties of properties in Atlanta and haven't got one in Atlanta yet. For this one, my first wholesale deal, uh, one of the guys that I met in the group, in the new group I joined, he had a property. I magically knew somebody that was buying property. 
it was a guy in my gym. He drove a Ferrari. I asked him, what do you do for a living? Because you drive a Ferrari and regular nine to five people don't drive Ferraris. And he said, you know, I'm in real estate. I look to buy real estate. I said, okay, cool. So I kept his number and I connected the dots. And the same exact thing happened for the multifamily. We was with a group of individuals. We had a team over in Arizona that actually vetted the deal, talked with the seller. They did the majority of the work. And then we have a team over here in Atlanta and other states that we raised capital and collaborated together to go in on 186 unit in Phoenix, Arizona. So we ended up coming in as a co-GP on that deal. I'm actually flying out there uh, next week, next Wednesday, to go meet and talk with the property manager. So all I did was connect the dots. That's all I did. To be completely honest, I did none of the upfront work. Yeah, you didn't even do the, exact, the underwriting, the, the stuff you're good not at. Not even underwriting. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't do none of that the exact same way the first wholesale deal worked. Mm. My partner did all the fr upfront work. He just needed somebody to close it up on the end. And that's what we did also on our end. We just helped close it up on the end. We brought some more capital and got the deal done. And it's a collaborative offer. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, speaking of capital, throughout the process, what have, what have you learned and what's working well for you for bringing on investors, bringing on limited partners? I'm not sure how you guys are structuring things, but how are you raising the capital to do these deals? So we had a couple of calls about how to strategically do this. And the only thing that nobody likes to, very few people will give somebody an opportunity to do something if they maybe know you or if they feel like that they have hope that you can do something. And people tend to not, just from my experience, they tend to not want to go forward with doing anything like that or doing any type of business, business venture with you if you don't have credibility, if you mm. haven't done anything, why would I listen to you? If you yeah. haven't done this, why would I listen to you? So my, my, my whole mindset was I need to be able to show people that I'm actually truly out here doing this and people will gravitate to me as this old saying go, when you build it, they will come. There are a few times and I'm sure plenty of occasions where people come before you build but then a lot of the times that I see is you build and then you come. So when we got this 186 unit and people saw that, I've probably had 30, 40 people reach out to me wanting to invest. It's like I've been overwhelmed. The same way for wholesaling, when they saw me wholesaling deals, people was asking me. It was asking me about the Airbnb. So as I'm out there posting on my social media, I'm letting people know what I'm doing. I'm letting people see the inside of what's really going on in this business, more people want to learn, more people start to gravitate towards this. So then raising capital becomes easier. Mm -hmm. It's what, what I've learned is you're always raising capital. Right. And so since if I'm always raising capital, then I always need to be talking about the real estate business exactly. <laughs> and what we're doing in this business. And so then that will help bring more capital. Hey, we got a deal. It's a 10% cash return. 18% RR, something crazy numbers or something like that, that'll get somebody's interest. Do you want to invest? These people see that we've done something, they reach out. Okay. So question here for you, Ray, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but how are you doing this on social media without crossing the line with securities and exchange commission? Cause this is one of the things I, I tell people not to do mm -hmm. on social media is to be talking numbers and talking percentages and, and talking that kind of stuff. Because my understanding, and not that I'm a securities lawyer or anything like that, 
is that could be seen as crossing line as solicitation in a public forum. What what are your what's your take on that? Yep. So and it's funny you mention that because that was something that was new to me. Mm-hmm. Now I never posted before that, but when I learned that, I said this is way different than just posting with residential. You could post and do any and everything, the numbers and all. Mm-hmm. So the actual principle I talked to the key sponsor that is on Ideals Jim Biggs, and then I actually talked to the key sponsor for the property in Phoenix. And I asked these guys, I say, hey, what can you post and what can you not post? Because I know that there are some rules and regulations that I'm unaware of, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that people know that I'm at least doing something. Right. So I keep things very generic and vague to where they have to ask me, like, there's no way they can figure out what the address is, <laughs> where the property's at, who owns the deal. Okay. There's no way they can do it. So I keep it extremely vague to the point where they have to reach out to me directly. When they reach out to me privately, then that's a different situation. There you go. Okay, that makes sense. So on so on your actual social media posting and stuff like that, you're 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 showing things, you're telling people about stuff, but you're not going into the nitty-gritty of those nope. actual numbers and not at all. And, My recent yeah. posts, I said we finally did it. Me and the team finally acquired our first apartment complex, 186 units in Phoenix, Arizona. And I got a, uh, what is it called? Royalty-free picture of a random apartment complex that was in a different state and posted <laughs> it as the picture. <laughs> so, Smart. You don't want to get anybody going I in. I don't even the... want to touch the gray area. I stay yeah. away from the gray area. So, Yeah, so good. So. So that's what you're doing. You're kind of teasing people about it on social media, keeping it generic, keeping it vague, and then taking the conversation offline Probably, for the one-on-one yeah. type conversations. Yeah, Great. that's very, very smart. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Well, hey, man, that is fantastic. What are your plans for the next 12 months? Where do you see yourself going in the next 12 months? What do you want to do? So I know our goal is to acquire 50 million assets under management. Actually, we're trying to hit that this year. And- with this deal in Phoenix actually puts us, you know, at a pretty distance up to that mark. So that may have been a small goal. We probably should have made that a bigger goal, but, you know, looking for more deals in Atlanta, we actually, and I'm talking about residential and commercial. I've actually been looking for more rentals for our household specifically to hold, but it is difficult with the market right now. Cash deals are very difficult. So we try to do creative financing with a lot of the deals, if not all of the deals. And, you know, build up the social media, kind of give my education to the public and and teach others and have them come in on deals with me, especially the people that personally know me or know my personal background and where I come from and see how far I've come. And then, you know, just make some more money, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> money well, hey, Ray, that, that brings up one one kind of last question I just want to ask you here because you're you've gone from the wholesaling which is very very active income right you're you got to keep that machine going to keep making the money you you've you've gotten into a little bit of the short-term rental space that's creating more of the quote-unquote passive income so with these syndication type deals you're part of the the general partner group if i'm not mistaken right you're you're one of the gps on this project is is that correct yeah so for this project we're the co-gp yeah, on this co-GP. project specifically yeah. and uh for other deals that maybe we come across like if i find something in atlanta of course we'll be the gp on the deal but 
that's how it would be structured. So if, if you're open to sharing, how does that kind of work financially for a co-GP? And you don't have to talk about specific numbers or anything like that, but how, how do you get paid? How, how many GPs and co-GPs are there in this deal? What's kind of your communal piece of the pie? What does that end up shaking out to for Ray Woods? Just because I, I know a lot of people are curious about getting into multifamily this way and they, they'd like to join forces with other people and be part of a team, kind of like what you're doing, but yep. they really don't know how that works. So I actually made a video prior to my to this property closing and my theory, because this is my first property and I'm still new to how things go, my theory is... One, there's not one person on these size of deals. Mm -hmm. it's, it's multiple entities, if I want to be very technical. Yeah. And within the entities is always multiple members. So maybe five members, six members, however many members is under the entity. And so as the property cash flows, whether or not they have quarterly distributions or monthly distributions, that amount would go to that entity. The entity will then decide how they want to distribute the money out to the members. Right. And so for this property, it would operate the same way. So whatever percentage that we're going to get for the property, it will go to our entity that's on that Pacific property. And then we'll distribute that throughout each other if we choose to pay each other or if we choose to not take a salary and take that money to put it into further deals, which that's probably going to be the thing, the, the plan anyway, so we can take down more deals and have even more skin in the game. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of how my theory would be as to how the payment structure would be. Got it. Yeah. I know that kind of makes that's, that's what I've seen as well as, as something along those lines, as well as usually quite often with these kind of deals, there's an acquisition fee. So you get your entity gets your percentage of that as well. And then yep. I don't know how long you guys are planning on holding this, this property. If it's a, if a five years, I believe this year. is a five or six year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Usually, think. usually the the specific company that has the most experience that acquired the property, and then we came in with them as a co-GP. Usually, do five or six years. Sometimes they do more, mm. but they they got billions assets under management. So, right, well, that makes a lot of sense. Ray, this has been a lot of fun. If people want to connect with you, find out more about what you're doing. I know you've got a variety of different things. I know you mentioned you you filmed a few videos. What, what would be the number one place where people could connect with you, Ray? Yeah, they can reach out to me on Instagram. If you type in real estate with Ray, you should be able to find me there. Ray Woods, you'll see the, the profile picture there and YouTube as well, real estate with Ray. So you can reach out to me there and let's connect on the social medias there. You can see my videos and education at that point. Sounds good, Ray. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, man. And keep Dave, up the good I work. I appreciate it, man. It's exciting. All right, everybody take care. We'll see you on the next episode.